0: I'm Laura, a.k.a. Biceps, personal trainer and soon to be published author of Lift Yourself out July the 25th. I believe that discovering health and fitness and weightlifting in particular has the power to change your life. It did mine. I found the power of lifting weights completely transformed my own personal body image from wanting a thigh gap to feeling proud of my strong and athletic figure. After years of crazy diets and not feeling good enough, I finally felt physically successful. And I can't begin to describe how empowering it is to pick up something you didn't think you could. That feeling of ambition will transfer into your daily life and will have the habit of making you feel like you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, if you put in the work and have enough patience to see out the process. Ultimately, I believe that strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. I'll be exploring this idea every week, celebrating extraordinary men and women who share their stories of resilience, lifting others, and the challenges they faced along the way. Welcome to Biceps & Banter. I'm super excited to be partnering with Fitbit for this series. I'm officially obsessed with my Fitbit from tracking my sleep quality every night to monitoring my effort in workouts and general low-intensity activity throughout the day. I genuinely love the brand. For me, having an awareness of this kind of health data really does help me to lead a healthier, more active life, which is very important to me. I have found that using my Fitbit watch and having the app on my phone can help give you the motivation to track your movement and supports you in pursuing a more balanced and healthy lifestyle. And remember, if you're not assessing, you're just guessing. Okay, so welcome to our next and final episode of Biceps and Banter. Absolutely incredible to have uh, got to our eighth episode of this first series, and for me, we have a very, very well—he will confirm also—a very special guest, uh, Mr. Ben Gotting. How are you?
1: I thought there should have been a round of applause there or something. Like Why well, well, you brought me up? Okay, good. No, yeah. all good. All good. Thank you very much.
0: Amazing. Well, he's he's um he has trained today, so although you can't see him, I can confirm he's looking very jacked and very tanned. <laughs> so to properly introduce uh, Ben, so he is well my my been my boss for a couple of years. Um, he is a husband to the lovely Laura. good name. He is father to uh, two absolutely gorgeous kids, Ronnie and Georgia. And although he doesn't talk about it much, he is an ex-professional rugby player. But how I met him was his current role as co-founder of the Foundry Gym in London, a gym where I was fortunate enough to start my career and... I've hugely valued his mentorship over the time. Quite decent of him to take on uh, such a short, blonde, orange girl with all the gear and, and pretty much no idea. I think it was because of our joint love of, of drum and bass and uh, old school garage that got me in the door. But yeah, so it's it's been a, an incredible few years knowing Ben. Before I start asking him in going into the questions, one of the things I I love so much about Ben is not just his sort of incredible professional experience on and off the pitch, which I'm sure he'll tell you about. He is probably one of the most empathetic coaches I've ever experienced. I believe this is what sets him apart in the industry at the moment. He's also probably one of the funniest guys I know, confirmed by himself. So for those of you that um, don't know Ben, I would love to just um, give the people at home a bit of an understanding of your career. How have you got to where you are now?
1: 38 years ago, born in the, in the UAE. Yeah, I'm very old, yeah. And um, then parents moved back over with my elder brother. Um, educated in the UK for about 11 years. Then my mum and dad got bored of me, packed me off to school to uh, Zimbabwe, to a, a school called Peterhouse School in Zimbabwe, um, where I spent a couple of years. Very homesick, hated every minute of it. Um, if you're a parent, don't ever send your kids away. Um, <laughs> thanks, mum and dad. And then, uh, yeah, then came back and then. All I wanted to do was uh, play sport. I never, never really aspired to be a professional sportsman, but just loved playing sport. And I wasn't really interested in uh, in studying. Not that that's cool. Not to be like that. I, f- <laughs> I found that out when I went to university. I went to Brunel University. Finally, clicked that if you put some effort into stuff, you uh, you reap the rewards. And then, yeah, at the back end of um, back end of uni, my last year there. Wasps under 20-ons, needed a hooker, a uh, good mate of mine, Shane. He um, had done his ACL, and so I was playing at uni at the time with some of the boys who were in the academy, and they said to me, look, do you want to come down and trial? So I did that, uh, and that was it. Yeah, played every game for them that year, and um, that was kind of a, a magic year for me where I'd like... Because I'd never really done any sort of representative rugby before. I'd played county rugby and divisional stuff and then got signed up with the, uh, with the Wasps first team. The rest is history.
0: I feel like you've yeah. really played... You've sort of played it down as to how you've got to that point. you 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 must have had some a bit of talent there uh,
1: yeah do you know what I was always I was always just an okay player Um, and then you know I think what you need is you need to you need opportunities Uh, and when you get your opportunities you need to take your opportunities and and so you know I, I played well when I had chances to do so um, but then I was very much in the right place at the right time. You know, I could have been at another club, not Wasps, and then not need a hooker, and yeah. I wouldn't have got a chance. When I was at Wasps, it was like the magic era. We won everything, you know, and I was just a...
0: Not a coincidence. Yeah, correct. Yeah, no,
1: <laughs> uh, no. I know. You know, I, I, I was just, ve- I was very much a a bit part player in in that team. You know, I was I was never a first choice. Trevor Leotra and Phil Greening, very much the first choice ahead of me in the first two years. Um, and then I thought I was going to get my chance to be the first choice. And they went and signed Raphael Ibanez and Joe Ward. So Raf was the uh, the French captain, so that was no good for me. And then Joe <laughs> Ward was the New Zealand under 20 captain, so that Perfect. was no good for me as well. So, you know, I, I would play every other week, for example, but I was never the out-and-out first-choice starter. And so, you know, in that time we won European Cup twice, won the Premiership a whole heap of times, three times, and then... Following that, I thought to myself, I don't know, fuck this, I'm going to, uh, I put my balls in line and said to him, look, if I'm not first choice by the end of this year, I'm going to walk. And Why? I uh, I don't know, I just think, like, you only get a short career as a rugby player, like you get, if you're lucky, five to ten years, and I'd done five years with Wasps at that stage, um, a year with the 21s and then, you know, four with the first team, and I, I kind of didn't feel like I was... I should have been the first name on the team sheet in my opinion and you've got to back yourself because if you don't back yourself yeah, no one yeah. else will and so I, I thought I'd be bold and it, it, we had like an appraisal yeah. in the pre-season camp and I said look if I'm not the boy um, at the end of the year then I'm going to walk that year annoyingly I fractured my eye socket so I, I played against Newcastle away in Kingston Park and I got <laughs> an x-rayed the next day and I'd fractured my eye socket so my left orbital were flawed that was quite a clever God. mechanism to look after right but I look like sloth from the Goonies and say like and do you know it's random right so for 15 15 weeks of like what would be a 30 week season uh, and I'd already played five at that stage um, meant I only had really 10 weeks of playing when I came back to try and get myself back in the team and I I played bits and pieces and there was a new coaching at that stage and I do you know what? I just they offered me a contract at the back end of it, but with no increase in wages. So yeah, yeah. I ended up just um, go, d- taking a mercenary move, going to Worcester in the West Midlands, which is beautiful. If, if you ever get a chance to go and see it, yeah, yeah and that was it. And then that was kind of I had a year off after that when no one touched me with the barge pole because i had a, a year out in, injured, right. which I still sort of suffer from now that knee injury, which I've now had eight operations on and yeah it just yeah, I had a, a year out I worked in recruitment for a year yeah. the year I joined I joined in the July and I think in September Lehman Brothers crashed and I was recruiting for um, chartered accountants into investment banks so that was good yeah. I did fuck all basically for yeah. a whole year or 11 yeah. months and 20 something days of it and I, yeah I, I was genuinely and I mean and I don't throw this around lightly now I was genuinely suicidal and so yeah I, I, and I really sort of struggled with it and I was lying on the couch one Sunday afternoon and I got a phone call from Danny Wilson who was the director of rugby at London Welsh um, he's now, he's now off doing Scot the Scottish national team, I think. But he, um, yeah, he, he said to me, "Look, do you want to come and play at London Welsh?" And London Welsh were in the championship at that stage, so the, the division below the Premiership. Yeah. For those who don't know, so I went back and did that for a year. And to be fair, the, the plan was to do that for a year and then get picked up by a prem club and carry on my okay. You know, career but it didn't really happen I just wasn't as good as it was and then so within that year I met a guy called Chris Walton who um, yeah. he was instrumental for me in terms yeah. of you know like how you saying like, I helped you when you came yeah, in and yeah. like this guy was like the business for me for me he's still one of the most educated blokes I've ever come across yeah. in the industry but he was so patient with me he spent a lot of time with me in fact he actually sat an exam with me an online exam <laughs> and helped me pass that um, but um, helped me didn't do it for me but, um, but yeah I, like he, he was just, he was just an absolute superstar for me and, and he really sort of got me interested in the health and fitness industry and so the plan was that I would go and work S&C in rugby clubs okay which he and I did together for a year or so at Roslyn Park yeah um But yeah, I I, I was obviously working as a personal trainer to try and get some income at the same time. And I I just really actually quite enjoyed training the general population, not not athletes.
0: The time I've known you, you would always go the the extra mile in literally anything you do. And I think that applies to, to life. And from there, you've gone with your sort of mentorship with Chris Walton. At what point did you think, I want my own gym?
1: Um, so I was I was working at Gymbox at the time as a, as a PT I, I spent like six and a bit years at Gymbox and um, when I was when I started working there they obviously like um, commercial gyms have quite a high turnover of staff mm-hmm. um, and I saw at Gymbox that there wasn't a huge turnover of staff people were doing quite well like they, there's always money to be owned. I was based in Hoburn it's a really good area there's lots of lawyers recruitment all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff around there uh, media guys and so there were people there who had been at Gymbox for like at that stage six to eight years mm-hmm. And I was thinking, God, you know, I I, I saw myself like I could literally be there for that amount of time. And I was doing, I was working four days a week. Mm-hmm. I was seeing 10 to 12 people a day back to back. I was I was doing well, you know, and, and there's no reason why I couldn't have continued to do that. And then I was sat in the office with the general manager at the time, Liz Parker, and me and her were chatting. And, and we were both saying, like, fuck, you know, what are we doing? Like, you know, And she wanted to go and she was big into a CrossFit and wanted yeah. to open a gym. Um, and so um, we, I said to her Look, should we do it together I, I'd seen semi-private training through Chris Walton and I didn't want to run that but I wanted to do group training because that's what rugby is yeah. like, it's like you know you have a conditioning coach and you, and you come in in groups of four to eight boys yeah. and it's super competitive and like you know you imagine you're like imagine like the lionesses now right the, yeah. England, the England women's team right and they all do training camps together and if you're like the starting striker but you're there's a girl close on your heels right yeah. um, what's the girl's name t- Taylor isn't it who's the starting yeah. striker who scored the most goals this, mm-hmm. this thing, and she's got someone who's on her heels like you're going to push that bit harder in the gym and so that's what we used to do like you know if you, like I had a guy called Johnny Barrett at Wasps who me and him were sort of permanently sort of competing for the same shirt yeah. um, and so whenever we used to get a chance to train against each other we'd go hammer and tong um, and it's good it's healthy to have that not just competitive spirit but like that team ethos to what I did in the gym and so Liz was on board with that and we talked about, you know, it was her sort of thing as well. And um, and I was running this boot camp um, at the time, a modified strongman boot camp outside, yeah. which was one of my clients who is still a client of, my, well, now the business, but mine as well, Beverly. She was getting into her uh, fitness and she'd done super well. She'd lost a whole heap of weight and then she wanted to get into strongman stuff. She'd yeah. seen it on uh, a friend's wall on Facebook. She was like, you could do that. And I'd done strongman <laughs> stuff in rugby, like pushing yeah, yeah. sleds and carrying yeah. farmer's walks. and I'd never done any log or anything like that, but... I was like, oh fuck, I, I don't know. And she was like, you could, you could. She goes, if you start an outdoor group, I'll fill it for you. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> all right. So um, I, I invested a thousand quid in strongman equipment. We, uh, she bought a log, um, and we messed around with it together, and like you know, ben worked and out. Yeah, you know, mate. <laughs> do you know what? But on, honestly, she's she's. You know, I, I I don't give her the credit she's due. Like you know, she was instrumental in me actually having the confidence in myself to go and do this. So I started this boot camp outside this strongman boot camp. And, what did you uh, call it? It's Supergirl training. Supergirl training. Okay, just okay. for women. Um, and it was uh, and it was to empower females to, you know, because, you know, so many times females feel like they shouldn't go into a weight room in a gym. Yeah. Why the fuck shouldn't you pay the same rate as everyone yeah, else? You know, what, what entitles that bloke with, you know, one of those fuck boy vests on to be in <laughs> there any more than you do grunting and making noise, all that kind of stuff. And it, But it is intimidating, you know, yeah. I'll get onto that in a bit. But like, you know, and, and so I started this group and it was just for females. It was just our, collect, our, our small group of females that I knew from the gym and that Bev yeah. helped me get in there. And that you know, and that went to twenty women. And then um, in the process of looking for a gym, uh, I, like I was on a, I was on one of the Wasps old boy trips, which are basically like a stag do with a bit of rugby thrown into yeah. it. Um, and we sat around the pool in Guernsey one uh, one day, and um, I was chatting to a, a guy called Andy Gomesall, who's a, like an England great. And uh, he said to me, I've oh, got what's happening, you know, um, you know, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing PT, I'm enjoying it, you know, I'm yeah. doing pretty well. He goes, You can do that forever. And I was like, Well, no, I want to buy a gym, but I'm, you know, I don't really know where to start. Yeah. And he goes, I know someone.
0: Okay. And so
1: Gomez is a trustee for the School of Hard Knocks, which is yeah. a, a charity that I'm an ambassador for. And one of the other trustees owned a gym, and it's Dave. And Dave contacted me on social media, and I obviously also, also used to post videos of the girls doing bits and pieces. And yeah. um, had a mate of mine, Robin Boot, come and photograph it one day and make a video for me. It's on YouTube somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave messaged me and said, Hey, um, I've seen what you're doing with the Strongwoman group, you know, yeah. and I've done some MST stuff before. Yeah. Um, he goes, I actually own a domain name, uh, which is quite cool, and I think I could help you increase your brand. And so Dave owned the domain name citystrongman.co.uk. Okay. And so he said, can I come and help you? And I was like, I don't know, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I've, I've been, it's just me kicking around yeah, on a Saturday, yeah, you know, doing this. I said, all right, fine, come and help. So Dave came and helped me start running it. And from that day forward, I didn't take any... Um, any money out of the business, we just put it all into an account and Mm. we started making this business. And then we started inviting men to the group. So then we started doing two groups on a Saturday where we're having 20 20 people attend each session.
0: So it was guys and girls. Guys
1: and girls now, which is great. And it was all that sort of the millennial age group. You know, you're talking that sort of like 18 to 40 years old in that group. And it just snowballed from there. And then, you know, blink six months had gone and we had 35 grand in the bank. And, And then... You know, Dave, was, Dave wasn't looking to set up another gym after the foundry. He, he had folded the foundry at that stage. And, you know, he said to me, look, you know, I've, I've worked with you now six months. I'm quite enjoying it. I'd be quite interested to look at gyms with you. Okay. And at the time um, we were looking at putting our boot camps into power league venues and they were going to give us barren land in the power league. We were going to put a container, a shipping container on, which was hollowed out to be like yeah. a gym. And we were going to run MST sessions outdoors. and Then you have the indoor gym bits as well. Yeah. And there's power league site in Vauxhall. And we came down to have a look at it, see if we could find some land. And the, C- the CEO of the site, Kirk Harrison, he was just wandering around in the car park. I don't know what he's doing, but he's just like <laughs> looking to cast steel. And, um, and Dave chatted to him, and said, "Look, we're looking for space to put a gym on." And he goes, "Well, I've got a gym here which no one's in." So we came and we looked in this gym, and it's this big three and a half thousand square box um, yeah. with huge ceilings. It's green like walls. this yeah, a lime green walls. <laughs> um, they're on that picture there, um, and it was like a hardwood floor. Uh, had a whole heap of fixed resistance machinery and cardio kit in, and um, we took it on. Didn't bat an eyelid. And that was January 2016. And then um, we're sat here now, you know, and that, that's that.
0: So you actually you started with Bev, and she bought a yep. log, some kit in Roslyn yep. Park. Yep. And and you have what I believe, and through experience of the last few years in the in the fitness industry in London, probably the most unique concept or delivery um, that I've experienced, and I think. What I find it most incredible is the type of people it attracts. Is that it is so diverse, yeah. and you could be, a, you know, a, a professional rugby player to someone that has never set foot in a gym before. And and this is, I think, what I relate to so much, and, and why I love it so much is kind of your your tag name, where the strong belong. Mm-hmm. And everyone's version of strong or strength can be very different, but whoever you are, there's a there's a place for you. And I think that ethos isn't just it's not just a tagline it's something that you and dave lead yourself did you ever think that you would have this community
1: well co- community is always the thing that we looked that we, we were keen on building so basically dave and i sat down and said look we want this place to be like a sports club you know we want um, you know for any of you that have been like lucky enough to be involved in in sport but in specific in team sport um and you can be involved in teams playing in individual sports as well but you know that that feeling of belonging to something you know when you know you go and see your name on a squash ladder or you know when you know you go you turn up to rugby club and everyone's ripping the piss out of you and that sort of thing and that's you know we don't obviously mock people but like you know <laughs> but apart from you Laura uh, but like you know Confirmed. What, yeah what, what we what we wanted we wanted somewhere where people felt like they belonged um and you know strong can mean anything to anyone you know and and you know obviously we promote strength training because we're much more about that than aesthetics um you know aesthetics is generally a byproduct of doing stuff that is is yeah. good for you um but yeah we wanted people just to feel like they actually belonged somewhere you know that they might leave their shit job they might leave their a shitty relationship they might leave a very happy relationship they, mm-hmm. but they can go somewhere and they can right. feel like they belong right. um, and it's really that's really important you know I, I felt for a, a year of my life I didn't belong yeah. I didn't belong anywhere you know and like because people used to ring me up and um, you know I, I was the guy that would ring up on, on the weekend find out if I was playing on the weekend I was the guy that they'd ring up and see if they could get tickets through I was the guy that they'd ring up on the Monday to see if we won you know then people stopped ringing me and Ben the rugby player wasn't anymore it was Ben who works yeah. in recruitment and you know um, yeah. drinks too much you know and and I, uh, and so it was important to me that we created a space where people felt welcomed, felt safe, yeah uh, didn't feel judged whatsoever, you know no matter what shape, size, color creed they are um, and that you know for me that, that they felt they were you know they belonged in this safe space, and I think we've definitely created that um, and that doesn't that doesn't happen by chance, that doesn't happen by fluke, that happens because you're inclusive Do you know, it's funny, but when I moved to London um, back from the West Midlands. You know, I I was I've definitely improved as a person since working at places like Gymbox, being places where there's a lot more diversity. I come from a very male dominant macho environment in rugby, you know, where you know you're mocked and you're berated for being soft or weak. It is a kind environment inside, but it's not really a kind of environment and, you know, the way Laura and I bring up the kids now is you say most important thing, about everything in your life is you're a kind person, yeah. and that's what we wanted to bring to this. We're, we're kind people, you know. We're if someone's struggling, you're not going to berate them. You're not. You're going to encourage. You're going to motivate. You're going to drag them on. And the next week, they're going to achieve that thing. Or the next six months, they're going to achieve that thing. But you've got to provide an, a support structure, a network for them to be able to. Try. And the network might not be us. It might be you that they come and see. And, it, and you know, it might, it might be Bev that they come and see. Yeah. But they know that that person who was there last week, who saw them struggle, is going to be there and help motivate them this week again. But it means something so much to someone if you can remember their name and you can motivate them and help them drag them on yeah. and that's why also when someone's a new to of a class i'll put them with someone who's advanced
0: yeah
1: and then you, and then you it's going to empower you as and now as you're not a qualified coach but as a coach as someone who's qualified by experience yeah. you know well you are a coach but like you know if you weren't yeah, like then yeah. you're now empowering that person to help them and that is just forging this fucking great friendship yeah off one visit it's
0: yeah. quality One of the biggest questions I get asked is how I stay motivated to be active beyond my day job as a trainer. I need to ensure I'm moving enough and also if I have had a particularly active day, I need to ensure I'm fueling my body enough to perform. I can't talk enough about the benefits of managing your sleep and the quality of it. Going from a stressful or high energy job to having to wind down and get an early night can sometimes be a challenge and it definitely affects how I feel and how much energy I have the next day. My Fitbit helps me to track the various sleep stages I'm in, from light sleep to deep sleep, right through to REM. So if I haven't managed to get a solid seven to eight hours, I need to be aware that I might not be on top form for the next day. By tracking my personal stats through features like heart rate monitoring, active minutes over the day, as well as my sleep data, I have a much better understanding of my overall health. Um, what do you think are the main reasons why people, like, the foundry is incredible for so many things, but I remember the first time I walked in, there was so much kit, like, it's hundreds of kilos flying around. It can be quite intimidating. Yep. What, what, do you, what do you think is... How, you know, how can you help to break down the barriers for people to step into something like that for the first time?
1: You might go into somewhere where, like, uh, where there's lots of weight being thrown around, and there's lots of big guys and big strong girls and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that, that someone will come up and greet you immediately the first time you yeah. walk through the door, welcome you, you know, show you where to put your stuff, talk to you about the space, you know, all that kind of stuff the fact that all our members are so cool that was yeah. one thing Dave and I didn't want we, we said we we're going to have no dickheads here and I know it's a really <laughs> vague term but like you know no one that was above their station
0: yeah. no
1: one that thought they were the bee's knees that's why I don't let people take their shirts off in the gym yeah. it's like a fucking sauna in there it's boiling mate in like yeah, in winter yeah. it's like a cryotherapy unit we joke about it and then in, the yeah. winter, in the summer it's like a sauna but we don't let people take their shirts off and it's not because um, you know I don't think it looks great for them. that They look amazing. They can yeah, get that yeah. Instagram picture with their shirt off doing a log press. That's yeah, working yeah. for them. Great, but it's not what we're about. What we, do, you know, that's it's intimidating for me to see someone like that. You know, and that's why we don't do it. We, you know, everyone should feel that when as soon as they walk in, they belong here, that they're welcome. And so, if they hear intimidating behaviour, people screaming their head off to to lift, or you know, people taking their shirt off, beating their chest, all that kind of stuff, we're yeah, not yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, and I guess that social media, you touched on quite an important point have you seen the evolution of the fitness industry over the time that you've been working you know a gym box back in the day you probably remember a time where no one took a gym selfie because they had a nokia 3210 yeah correct so like how how is your view of of the evolution of the fitness industry
1: i've got to be careful here because like you know the people that take selfies of the, in themselves in the gym and post it on their social media they're the people that help have helped me build this business and so i don't um you know, condone them for doing that. You know, it is what it is. But for me, um, I I would much rather they do it before or after their session. They when they yeah, come to yeah. my gym, they come. They don't have their phone on the gym floor. They come to work. Yeah. Um. You know, if they take a picture of themselves or a video of themselves doing a squat because they want to see what they look like, and, and that's absolutely fine. We don't have mirrors here in the gym that much, mm-hmm. um, so that's absolutely fine. Um. But yeah, I I I do think there's a lot of people who do stuff. For their Facebook and Instagram profile, you know, because that because we we're in a um, a culture of receiving likes, yeah. You know, and if you haven't, I'm the same. I put you know, post pictures on my um, Instagram. Generally, it's of my kids or stuff in the gym. Thank you. So does my mum. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, (laughs) Joe. Thanks, Joe. But but yeah, I um, you know, I, I we do it, and we we continually go back and check and see, oh, how many people have liked me? Because it's that you know, that feeling of being accepted, it's that yeah. feeling of being wanted, it's that feeling of being cool and liked yeah. and stuff. And I, you know, that's great, whatever, but it's, I, I'm worried for my kids I'm bringing into this next generation that they're going to feel like they should be a certain way because they see it in the media yeah. or, you know, they, they see someone else, one of their friends is doing something. puts a lot of pressure on you. Like, I'm, I'm, this is getting a bit deep now, but like, you know, I'm a dad of a young girl, yeah. you know, why should there be any sort of pressure on her to act a certain way, um, you know, to look a certain way, to, yeah. to be a certain way? I'm very lucky that my beautiful little five year old girl is a spirit unto herself. Like, you know, she's <laughs> mental, <laughs> she and is. I hope she never changes that. You know what I don't want? It, like, you know, I've I've got family who I see post stuff on social media, mm. and I cringe because, like, you know, I think myself, God, you know don't put that sort of stuff, don't put yourself out there. And I tell them that as well. You know, they're they're not going to hear this on a podcast at first. So I've told them that you mustn't feel like you have to act that way. Be your own person, you know. You know, don't feel like you have to conform to that, you know, to get likes, you know, for you pouting at a camera or anything like that.
0: I think that's the thing, isn't it, is a a real balance between actively sharing a message you feel passionately about but by you putting that out there you put yourself open to being judged and people can take things in such a different way so like that you know the gym selfies that you talk about like I do it every day do um, I might do I think I'm completely obsessed with myself no am I doing it hopefully for a positive reason yes but I have no idea how someone else might take it someone else could think she's right proper up herself because that's all she does or you know my social media might tell someone uh, she's just at the gym all the time why is she not in the CrossFit games it tells you a a tiny part of the story And I think this this is what I mean. Yeah, Georgia, at age of five, she is absolutely bonkers, and I've no doubt she'll continue to dress like a mermaid. Yeah, or through- dress,
1: ge- dress up as Joshua. On a, on a daily basis, tells me that I have to tell the teacher, and I'm cool with that. If she wants to carry on with that, it's absolutely yeah. fine. You know, that's be herself and uh, and see what happens.
0: But there will probably be a time, like in probably most people's lives, where you get to a point where you are, you do start to consider sort of the external forces and external validation is so important at the moment. Like you know, we talk about followers and, and Instagram and, and likes, and at the end of the day, you have an Instagram account. I do. The Foundry does, and you have to, I guess, try and use it for the positive than it, that it can, because like the Foundry Instagram shares loads of case studies yeah. of of your members, yeah. of of really positive stories. But still, it's just a photo and you know a couple of hundred words it yeah. doesn't give you the whole story of how that person feels no. do
1: you know it can be quite a useful tool as well you know and I, I sit here and I say I'm not keen on people putting pictures and them working out and with topless and all that kind of stuff when I've had to do stuff for like a photo shoot for example which um because I'm not uh, you know as you can tell I'm not normally like you know in super shape the all year round I'm like in sort of usable-ish <laughs> um, less so at the let's moment let's say but three yeah. out of
0: ten yes <laughs> thank
1: you uh, hair is a ten um but um no, what I, um, you know, when, I, when I've been on a, a cut, I use it for a way to, for me to stay accountable. Because if I'm putting myself out there, you know, and people are seeing what I'm doing training wise, you know, it means I have to go out and train and, and do those bits. So for that 12 week period, it's been really useful for me to put stuff out there. And if you trawl back far enough, you might see me in some shape in, on my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally don't do it as a, as a mainstay because that's not me. I'm, I'm not really bothered about it. I'm, I'm not trying to please anyone um, other than myself.
0: So do you feel. As a gym owner of one of the best gyms in the world, let's say. As
1: per men and women's As per, per yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> do you feel like anyone is physically judging you? Couldn't give a flying fuck. No, but do, you, do you think people do?
1: Possibly. Don't care. Gen- like Think what you want. Honestly. And you know, it's funny, right? Because um, you know what you're saying about how people look at your social media and some people might think to themselves, oh, she's up herself. And some people might think, oh, that's a really positive message. Yeah. You know, those that know you and those that love yeah. you, they know what's happening and that's all really that matters. You know, all, all that I care about is that, you know, uh, my wife, my kids, my close family and friends, you know, if they, you know, they, I don't need to put on there that I'm doing, you know, 60 plus hour a week. They know I'm doing that. You know, They care about that. They don't need to know that I try my hardest to do everything that I can do as a, as a business owner and as a dad and all that kind of husband, all that kind of stuff. They know that, you know, I don't need validation from anyone else in there. And I also couldn't give a flying fuck if people thought the opposite of me.
0: And and I think that's so powerful in when we're talking about sort of comparing ourselves to others. You know, are we sat here preparing to go on the front cover of men's or women's health? Unlikely. Are are we but are we individually forging a successful career and, and pursuing a path of personal happiness? Yes. Mm.
1: You know, it might work for someone's happiness, personal happiness, to be on the front cover and, and absolutely more power to you. And I'd love to help anyone yeah, you know achieve that if that's what they want to do. And we've, yeah. we've helped a lot of people get, you know, in, in super shape for, for stuff like that. Um, I'm not judging anyone for doing that. It's up to you. Go for it. Awesome. It's just not my priority.
0: I've, and I think that's that's for me is so key is whatever your goal is, there is no judgment and we, you will help people to to get there in the, in the safest most sustainable way possible and I think you know 12 week transformations can sometimes get a bit of stick but actually what you're doing is you're providing people with a path that they couldn't do on their own yep. and along the way you're giving them a safe home to feel comfortable for that hour and that could be the best hour of their day that could change their life um, and, and, and I, th- I think that's what you guys have have delivered with the foundry and um, I, I literally remember my first my first session, walking into the lime green rooms, and it wasn't you know it wasn't about what I could lift, what I looked like. It was just a feeling, and I felt incredible afterwards. And there was something about it that just I just thought I want to do that again. And then as time went on, I, I want to show other people to do it, and you you start to attract those people. And my I guess my my sort of circle of relationship has changed hugely. Uh, in that time because I've pursued something that felt better to me. And then I think for for when I mean, we joke about your training, what is it once a year you train? Give or take. Give or take. It doesn't need take. I if you could see what I could see doesn't need to train <laughs> um, at all if He's anything. With blessed genetics. Too strong of anything. Yes. <laughs> um, we have talked a lot about sort of your support of of women. Um, I mean we've obviously your wife and 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 your little girl you are hugely supportive to women. And we are in a time where we're kind of talking about changing the game, not just in fitness but in sport. And we talk a lot about the lionesses. And me and Ben over a bit of time, because we we have quite a lot of banter, sort of birds and, and lad banter, which is which is absolutely acceptable on, on the gym floor. But we, it sort of had a bit of an evolution, I think, in in both of our opinions, in sort of women in women in sport. And we were saying earlier, six point nine million people viewed the, the England women's game. And actually, as a as a father, that's really positive for you. It's fucking
1: amazing. Yeah, I think to myself, like you know, how far have we come, right? In the last fifty years, not just in terms of females in sport, but actually things that females are allowed to do, yeah. you know, and, and things, you know, views that females should be doing or should be doing, they should be doing everything, anything they fucking want. You know, why why should anyone limit anyone to anything they can or can't do? You know, I think to myself, God, if we're here now and it's taken so long, you know, like maybe in another 20 years or 10, 15 years when my little girl is looking at, um, you know, participating in sport, there might even be a professional league, you know, that she could be a part of or, you know, a, a sustainable professional league or, yeah. you know, there might there might be tiers of, of uh, professional leagues that she can get into it. and she might not choose to go to sport and that's absolutely fine mm. um I'll just disown her if she doesn't but like um you know it no, she, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. but you know like how cool for her to have an opportunity that so many women for so many years haven't had that you know I watched that game last night I mean those women are absolute athletes you yeah. know they're so good like you know and, and you know that you know I obviously I've Try to be a lad, and I joke around, <laughs> and I go,
0: "Look at him, like, rubbish!"
1: But I watched that last night, and um, you know, there, there was controversy in it. There yeah. was um, supposed racism in it. There yeah. was um, athleticism on par with a men's team. Agreed. Um, you know, it, it was fucking brilliant. I watched it with my boy, and he's he's mad into football. Like he's obsessed yeah. with football, um, and we loved it. We loved watching that as much as we loved watching a men's game, and yeah. you know what you know how lovely is it in this like our generation of kids now that are coming around right things like um same-sex marriages yeah there's nothing wrong with it It, i mean it's just like you either love a man or you love a woman it's absolutely fine either way whichever whichever we go to that was never the way for us growing up you know like so many people hid their sexuality because they were worried of what other people would think and it's becoming a lot more mainstream now that's great sport you know women are allowed to um, and encouraged to participate in sport yeah. you know took georgia to doing a football training yesterday and she banged on in the onion sack do you know what i mean of course she, she, yeah, of course she did and i, and I, I think <laughs> go on george like you know that's amazing and like you know she uh she played it's it funny like you know a year ago she was mascotting ronnie out into the, go- the <laughs> garden he'd make her a mascot genuinely and uh and then now she's there she's got her own little kit she's got her own boots her messy her boots, boots are incredible yeah. uh, like you know and and she's doing it. And, like, and I, hope, I hope she doesn't reach that post-16 gap, which many women do. Yeah. Um, even my wife suffered that. She might, Laura was a really good runner, um, like a national level runner yeah. at, um, at 16s group. And then as many women do, you know, the lure of boys going out, cigarettes, drinking, all that kind of cool yeah. stuff in inverted yeah, commas takes over. And I hope Georgian doesn't suffer that because I hope she succeeds and gets encouraged to succeed as much as possible
0: that's amazing mm. this, this is quite a new conversation for is, us yeah We've well <laughs>
1: i've definitely done a u-turn since george has got more interested in sport <laughs> yeah. i couldn't remember her name when she was in football what the girl
0: yeah that one. not ronnie
1: yeah the one with long hair <laughs>
0: um so after all of this wonderful conversation it leads me to ask what is next uh for ben for ben gotting so um
1: so uh dave and i um have just We've just signed another gym now, so we've got our third gym, which is opening in Bank. It was meant Amazing. to open middle of July. I'm hoping it's still going to work towards the middle of July. It's more likely going to be first of August. Yeah. Um, it's a mega site. It's going to be um, it's going to be like a landmark site for us. Um, the view is to continue doing hopefully what we do really well, which is service our small business um as as hands on as possible. Yeah. Um, but we also want to scale it. You know, there's we we want to try and make this um not just a little pocket of South East London or a little bit of the city. You know, we want to try and open it up to the masses, you know, to give them all a bit of that. It's difficult though, you know, when you try and scale something to keep that personal touch. Um, And so, you know, and the more we scale, the more detracted Dave and I will get from the business. But it's why it's so important that our values maintain within the structure and whoever comes in to manage them needs to buy into that. You You know, we've had people come in and we've had people make a big impact on the business and we've had people leave. Um, but the big thing that they've all I hope taken with them you know is that community is the most important thing and and, you know what you give to that person for that hour of their week or three hours or ten hours of some of our clients come in here you know you need to be a big important part in their life and you know if they've gone on and set up things on their own thereafter more power too just keep spreading the word it doesn't matter if it just comes from the foundry but if we spread that voice of inclusiveness you know of um sort of team of bonding of you know of of um, belonging you know then I feel like we've we've done our bit
0: absolutely it's not just it's not just a gym it's a it's a lifestyle
1: yeah I mean all our it's funny you know we're yet to have our first foundry uh, marriage where people have met in the gym but we've had foundry relationships we've had um you know um we we have social all the time you know and that's important that's what builds culture you know um it's uh it's cool, you know. I'm sure I'll be able to buy my hat soon and uh sit at the first foundry winning.
0: Zane keeps asking me. Oh give I mean, in, give in. No, it's got the same size feet as Can me. Can you
1: imagine your children, the little p oh children?
0: <laughs> 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 They'd be definitely so <laughs> for it, wouldn't they?
1: <laughs> With massive heads shaped like a Dorito if it's okay. Zane's or anything. <laughs>
0: <place. laughs> it was going so well and now he's, he's just unleashed. <laughs> um but anyway, thank you so much, Ben, for your time. Um Pleasure. And uh, as I said at the start, I'm going to try not to make you cry at this bit, but you have been so fundamental in my development in my career, and I genuinely believe I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, sat here being able to talk to you and spreading the word that that I've uh, so gratefully learned from you. So thank you so much. You'll so get your royalties on your book sales? There aren't any, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I might, I might buy more bloody copy. <laughs> um, and if you need to find more information, if you've been inspired by Ben, um, you can find the gym at Foundry Fit. And um, yeah, check it out. Thank you so much. It has been an incredible first series. I've absolutely loved it. The the diversity and the eclectic opinion that we've had uh, on this series has been absolutely incredible. And thank you so much for your support, your feedback, and uh, hopefully Biceps & Banter will be back very soon. And that's it team, another episode down. And as ever, I want to round this up with a final thank you to all the gang at Fitbit, because without the team there, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Using all the resources I can access with my Fitbit means I can utilize personalized insights and have guidance on how to improve my overall health and well-being. At the end of each day, I like to check my stats to just evaluate my day and gives me the reassurance I need that I am pursuing a healthy and active lifestyle. See you next time, team.